I think the biggest mistake that I have made and I still see so many people making today is... Hey guys, welcome back to Millennial Life Crisis. This is just Monica today. Shelby is out in a tiny home in Ocean Shores, Washington. It's like on the coast of Washington. I never really go to the coast of Washington because uh, it's always cloudy there. And Seattle is like this inlet of water, if, if you don't know. It feels like you're on the coast because it is ocean water, but you're not on the coast at all. Anyways, I never go to the coast because Seattle feels like the coast to me, but Shelby's out living her best life in a tiny house, glamping it up or whatever she's doing, making a video. So today I am recording by myself and I'm excited about it. So today we're going to be talking about the biggest mistakes that I've made in my career so far in my 20s. I know it might seem a little weird because I'm a YouTuber, so you might be like, well, how am I going to relate to your mistakes? But I actually think a lot of my mistakes are just really generalized normal things that you guys could also relate to. So I want to elaborate on those today. I'm really excited to talk about them and just kind of give you my perspective on what I've learned from them. And I definitely want to hear from you guys as well. So DM the at Millennial Life Crisis Instagram any career mistakes you guys have made too. And yeah, so let's just hop right into my Millennial Life Crisis of the week. My crisis this week is actually my friend is retiring at age 25 and I'm just like what did I do wrong how am I not retiring at this age no I'm kind of kidding actually no I'm completely kidding so we keep joking that my friend is retiring uh, but really she has quit but we don't want to call it quit because she worked really hard at this job but you know she's you know ending her career at this company that she was working at and so we're calling it retiring because that's a nicer thing because quitting makes it seem like you know you're a quitter she's not a quitter she's a very hard worker but she is ending that job I'm super happy for her because I've known this friend since kindergarten and this was her first job out of college so you know she started an entry-level position was working her way up a bit and yeah you know with the pandemic and everything half of her company actually got laid off and she didn't get laid off but she's still deciding to leave that company for her well-being and everything because I think it was really hard when half the company got laid off and then they're just working everyone else like crazy so I, that must be a really tough position to be in. I actually want to ask her if she wants to come on the podcast and talk about, talk about, you know, doing all of that in the middle of the way the world is right now and how she's feeling about it. But anyways, she's having a retirement party tonight. That's what we're calling it. It's just going to be a couple of my best friends and I. So I'm very excited about that. I actually, I ordered a charcuterie board from an Instagram account that I saw. You guys should totally go check it out. It's called Boards by Claire and she's based in Seattle and she has has these amazing charcuterie boards. You can actually order one from her and it comes in like a little picnic box. So I ordered one and I'm really excited to get it today and bring it to her retirement party and impress everyone. Uh, the boxes are $55 each, which, you know, depending on your price, maybe it sounds expensive. They're pretty big boxes though. And if you were to get that much at a restaurant, it would definitely cost more because what is with charcuterie boards at restaurants? They give you like one ounce of cheese each, just barely anything at all. They give you like five pieces of bread, yet the board is like $30. It's 
totally absurd so you're actually getting a better bang for your buck with boards by claire i will have a review for you guys next week i'm just so excited about it also whenever i try to do a charcuterie board by myself i go to the store i buy all the stuff and my total ends up being like 50 or 60 dollars anyways so i thought hey why not let someone else do it for me so that's what we're doing and last little update I want to give you guys. This is actually a bit of a resolution on a crisis of mine a couple weeks ago. Um, so do you guys remember how I joked about not having any friends? Well, I do have friends. I do. Um, but also, you guys, I live in a very residential type area. The houses around me, they're just like families. Young families, you know, husband, wife, kids. No riffraff of any sort from us young folk. In fact, I'm pretty sure my neighbors, I've never done anything wrong to them, but they just don't like me because I'm young. So they think I'm going to be loud and annoying and throw a party, even though I wouldn't do that. So just, you know, older people, very, very settled in their lives. So I was very surprised to walk by a neighboring house of mine a few weeks ago and find out that six guys my age moved in just one house down from me. Six of them. Six guys. Are you serious? Right as I'm like saying to the world, like, I don't have friends. So it's actually pretty cool. My roommate and I have hung out with them a couple of times now and they're really fun. So shout out to my new neighbors. You know, I was just griping about how I wanted to meet more people, but you really can't during a pandemic. And so this actually worked out so perfectly because they it's like they're just at my doorstep new people to hang out with you know it's actually nice that it's guys as well because I feel like if it were a group of girls I don't know like they probably wouldn't have been interested in making new friends that happen sometimes with groups of girls like they're just they are their own friends and they keep to themselves but since it's a group of guys I think you know we're all just like open to meeting each other and becoming friends so it's been cool we we had a couple happy hour moments they have a golden retriever so Oliver loves playing with golden retriever and you know I'm hoping that that keeps developing into just some great friendships because they're really fun really cool guys so pretty hilarious update I think like never in a million years did I expect six guys to move in on my street all right now a quick word from today's sponsor and then we will get into today's topic Today's episode is sponsored by Raycon. Raycon is a premium wireless earbud company that was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities like Snoop Dogg and Cardi B, who obviously know a thing or two about good sound quality. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other wireless premium earbud on the market, and they sound just as great. Their newest model is the Everyday E25 earbuds, which are their best ones yet. They have a playtime of six hours, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a noise isolating fit. I really like the way that these look they're very discreet and they cancel out noises so you can listen to what you want to listen to not the neighbor kids or the leaf blowers or the drone of an airplane not that any of us are really on airplanes right now but you get what I mean honestly you guys I usually don't like in-ear earbuds they've never really been my thing but the second that I put these on I was so surprised at how comfortable the fit is and it completely changed my thought on these so I really love them I would highly recommend them if you guys are interested in picking up some Raycon earbuds of your own you can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com mlc that's buyraycon.com mlc for 15% off your order Picture this, you start your career at 12 years old. Sounds insane, right? Well, technically that is what I did. 
I never thought YouTube would turn into a career for me, but that truly is what it is. Like my day-to-day trajectory and what I'm growing is my career, my YouTube channel, my brand, and you know, hopefully my career takes me into bigger video production projects. So it's super weird though to think I'm in a career, even though it doesn't feel like it with YouTube, but I have to tell myself, you know, this is your career you have a career. As crazy as it sounds, YouTube is a career and I never thought it would be when I started my career. So as you could imagine, starting your career at 12 years old, knowing absolutely nothing, I made a lot of mistakes. I made pretty much every mistake you could make. I've been taken advantage of. I've been ripped off. I've messed up. I've turned things in late. I've ebbed and flowed. I've had my really positive moments. I've had my totally negative mindsets and there's so much I've learned from it and I'm actually at 25 years old now I'm in a really good place mentally so I want to share with you guys all my mistakes now I want to start this off with a PSA please don't ask to pick my brain over coffee that is my biggest pet peeve I find it so annoying it's actually when you think about it it's kind of a really big ask to say hey will you meet up and spend your time explaining to me everything that you've learned for nothing in return I seriously hate doing this you know I did it in the past sometimes and the reason you do it yes is to give back and you know help others but I got really frustrated with this because in the past, someone would pick my brain about YouTube and then they wouldn't even make a channel. And so it felt like such a waste of time. If you're going to try and do this, at least prove that you're serious about what you're picking someone's brain over. That leads into my first career mistake, which is when it comes to networking, you know, it's the biggest thing that you hear. Network, network. It's all about networking. You find your job from your network, not from your college diploma, all of these things. And so when I first started out in film school, everyone was always like, oh, you want to get a job at this company? You need to know someone there. You need to network. And so it felt like networking meant to try and reach out to these people that are so much higher up than you, like to try and network with like these CEOs or these big directors and all of this. But that really should not be what networking is because that the reality is if you're just like a first year film student, you're trying to network with a big time director, they're not, they're not going to give you the time of day. That is not what networking is. The most effective networking that I've done so far in my life is just networking with people on my same level. You know, we're all growing together. You're really not going to be able to make this shortcut where you network with the CEO and then they give you the CFO job. You got to network with your classmates and just these people on the same level as you because you're all going to keep learning. You're all going to keep growing. And then maybe 10 years from now when you're all at different companies, then you're going to help each other out. So I think that's why I brought up the picking your brain over coffee thing because it feels like every time someone asks that they have nothing to provide and you know you should be picking someone's brain over coffee with a colleague of yours or maybe someone that you know you have knowledge to provide to them as well. So definitely my first mistake was thinking that networking meant that you should be trying to network with people so much higher up and that have so much more knowledge than you do. So yeah and don't ask to pick my brain over coffee because it's not gonna happen I do get dms about that and I'm just like what like my time is valuable everyone's time is valuable and so you know if you have nothing to provide at least pick my brain over drinks or lunch or a nice 
five-star dinner. No, kidding. But yeah, I mean, something that I realized as I became a more successful YouTuber and I gained more knowledge and companies and people knew that is they also, they provide a little bit of monetary value for picking your brain. Like I know there was a company one time, they wanted to pick my brain for an hour and I think they paid me like $500 to do so. It was actually a lot of money. That, that's another thing. I mean, maybe it's like if, if, if you want to talk to someone that's like, a lot smarter than you, what can you provide to them as well? Don't ask to pick the brain. And I'm mainly saying this because if you're someone that's not having a lot of success hearing back from people about picking their brains, you may want to try following up and asking, hey, what's your rate for a consultation for an hour? Because time is money, you know? And it is actually, I mean, it's so nice of people to take the time for free but a lot of people are in a place where they don't have the time to do that anymore and they have their things they need to work on and if you're not going to pay for this knowledge that took someone years to learn then they're not going to take the time out of their day so that's just something I've realized now the second mistake that I made was doing free work fuck that the only time you should be doing free work is if you've never done something before and you're doing it for the experience. So like a good example is if you wanna become a wedding videographer and you've never filmed a wedding, then yeah, do the first one for free. That's what I did actually. I really wanted to get into wedding videography. I found a bride that, you know, didn't really wanna pay for it, but she didn't mind if I came and shot a video and just got the experience for myself to kind of get a foot in the door. Shot that for free. And then after that was able to get paid for other wedding videos going forward. But if you're out of school, you're knowledgeable in what you're doing you know you're very capable of being paid for it and you're talented do not do work for free oh i think this one is definitely something creatives experience more than you know mathematicians or doctors and things like that so this was a mistake that i made because i always got paid for youtube videos but i never get paid to do freelance video work it was just something i didn't know much about but i love doing it my favorite thing is filming and being behind the camera i don't really like making my own videos and having to film myself and it's it's not as fun of a process what really gets me going is doing freelance videography. I think it is so much fun. By the way, if you want to hire me, $100 an hour and I'm yours. Or we can discuss a day rate. So at first, I would just do videography for people for free because I was having so much fun with it. But that quickly became them asking a lot for me and me still just doing things for free. And they knew that I enjoyed it. And so I think some of these people would try and kind of manipulate me and say, yeah, you know, like I, I can't really pay much, but you know, this is something we're all so passionate about. And that's totally fair. I'm passionate about videography, but I'm also passionate about getting money. So what ended up happening in these situations is at first I would come out of the gate hot, you know, just filming great stuff. And then slowly over time, you know, I wasn't getting paid. It would get kind of boring. And I would just kind of flake on these people, which is also a not good to do. Like flaking is extremely unprofessional and nothing is worse than a flake. Flakes are the worst. And if I would have been paid, I would have been held more accountable. And so that is definitely when I realized, okay, don't do work for free. If you try and get me to do work for free, I just won't finish it. Like I won't feel like I need to. It became very obvious that if I weren't getting paid what I think that I'm worth, I would start to resent whatever project I was working on and 
then I would do a really bad job at filming and I just wouldn't care. I wouldn't put in my full effort. And that's when I realized how important it is for everyone on a project to be getting paid what they think they're worth within reason, obviously, but that has become huge for me. So that's something that I've also taken into if I'm going to hire someone. At first, I used to hire free, you know, unpaid interns, but now I'm not going to ask someone to help me with something and not pay them because eventually they'll start resenting the work too. If they aren't at first, I know they will. And so I just know it's very important. You have to pay people. Otherwise, they're just going to get flaky and they are going to suck. So mistake number three, this is probably all the tea of this episode. If you're ever interested in how things work behind the scenes with YouTube, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was saying yes to branded integrations from YouTube networks. So if you don't know, a YouTube network is this company that, I mean, they, they started to come up I don't know, probably in like 2012, 2013. And there are these companies that would partner with YouTubers and your channel would be under them. They would say they'd provide these things like support for you. They'd help bring in brand deals. And essentially they would take a cut of how much money you're making. Maybe it was 10%, maybe it was 20%, 30%. I mean, they took advantage of people like crazy. It was just all over the board. I mean, at one point, I think I was with a network that took 20% of my earnings. I'd heard of people with networks where they took 50% of their earnings. Honestly, networks were ruthless. They not only were ruthless and would try and rip off anyone, they also were pointless. Like you don't need a YouTube network at all. And I think everyone started to realize that you kind of just go with what everyone else is doing. And all my other YouTube friends were like, yeah, I signed to a network because it seems like the thing to do. I mean, no one really understood it. So I did what everyone else was doing as well. So I would say from age 14 to 21, I did branded stuff with YouTube networks and I got ripped off a lot. Specifically, I remember this one brand deal back in 2014. They wanted three videos from me for $1,000 each. And these videos were super sponsored. The, the, the whole point of the video, like it was one big ad pretty much. And it was for a Fortune 500 company, a huge company you guys all know, just these fully dedicated videos. And at the time I had around 400,000 subscribers. And, and I was averaging, I mean like, 50 to 100,000 views per video, which I still do now, which is not depressing or anything to think about. But anyways, so one of the videos ended up getting 400,000 views and I was paid $1,000 for it. I was really young and I was so excited that I was making $3,000 from three videos. And, you know, I didn't realize that I did a round of three sponsored videos for a brand that if I knew what I knew today for that ask of things, here's a little tea for you. I should have been paid at least $30,000 for those three videos, for the views that they got and everything at that time, at least on the low end. And I had no idea I was being ripped off so bad and I delivered these videos so well for them and they performed well and oh my god it was so I look back now and this old YouTube network the people that work there their strategy is like they would try and befriend you so I was like 19 when I was offered this deal and this YouTube network they would stick you with a brand or like a manager right and the whole thing the manager would do is like they would take you out to lunch maybe once a month and they would they would just try and act like your friend. Like there was nothing professional about it at all. And what was really happening behind the scenes was that big brand, they 
probably did pay at least $30,000 or whatever, but they paid it straight to the network and then the network offered me $1,000 per video. And then the network just pocketed everything else, even though I'm the one that did all of the work. It was so absurd. I remember this same network one time, they were offering people brand deals with Target for, you know, not very much money, like similar amounts, just really lowballing people. Networks are just notorious for lowballing people like this and pocketing all the money when they're not doing any of the work. And I remember I was at the network one day and someone there, I feel like they like let this slip, like I wasn't supposed to know this or something, but they were like, yeah, did you hear we just got this huge deal with Target? They're paying us $5 million. And I was like, what? These companies seriously would pay these huge sums of money, like buy like millions of dollars to this network. The company would expect maybe a hundred videos and the network would hit up a hundred different creators and maybe pay them just a couple thousand dollars each or whatever. Like just pocket so much money when they just didn't deserve to. It was actually so absurd. Even to this day, you guys, sometimes I'll get emails in my inbox. It'll be a network offering me a brand deal with a company for way lower than I usually would do something for. And then the next week, the company will just come to me directly for like three times the amount that the network offered. So it's so crazy how YouTube network are just this huge ripoff growing up you know, from 14 to 21. It's something I didn't realize. It's something a lot of people didn't realize. And I think I lost out on so much money because they ripped me off so many times. So it's crazy. But you know, what What do you expect when you're like 14 doing these brand deals and things? People knew, like so many of us were so young. It was so easy for them to take advantage of us. Maybe a takeaway from this is what they were doing was wrong and I didn't know it. But because all of my other YouTube friends and so many other people were also signed to them and doing the same thing, I thought it was normal and I thought it was the right thing. So, you know, just because everyone is jumping off a cliff doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And that's a huge thing that I've learned is, you know, you might have a colleague or a friend that you think is super smart, but that doesn't mean that everything that they do is the smartest thing ever. I've had a couple different instances where I've had YouTube friends that I'm like, they are so smart. I respect them so much. And then I kind of followed the lead of what they were doing and realized it was not always the smartest idea. So trust your gut and just because everyone's doing it does not mean it's right. That, that was some tea there. Mistake number four is not really knowing how to negotiate at all. I pretty much didn't know how to negotiate. I sucked at it. And the one thing that I learned is, you know what they say about with negotiations, you have to negotiate as if losing the deal doesn't matter to you. You're okay with losing the deal. You know, you're really putting your dick on the table and just saying, this is what I want. And if I don't get it, then I'm walking. That really is the best way to negotiate, you guys. In the past, you know, I'd pussy around with negotiating and just kind of be like, oh yeah, like I, I want this number, but you know, if you can't meet me at that, like it's okay. And then it'd just be a lower number. And then I'd do the brand deal and not be fully happy because I wasn't getting paid my worth. And one day I just decided, no, I'm not doing anything lower than this anymore. They're not going to meet me at that. I'm walking. I'm not doing the brand deal and that's it. And so when I started doing that, you guys, companies, what it would come down to is maybe a company would email and say, hey, we want to work with you. And then I would say what my rate is. And if they would say, oh, we, we can't, you know, offer that. This is what we can offer. I'd say, okay, like that's not within, you know, what I'm comfortable doing. And so, you know, hit me up basically if 
that ever changes if you have more of a budget and that would be it and then literally so many times like a week later they'd be like actually yeah we like found it within our budget so it's definitely about just being able to walk away from something and I've also done that you know where then they're like okay yeah that's not within our budget and I'm so much happier just saying no it just comes down to power you know if you have the power to walk away you have the power and the leverage in that situation and so that's definitely I mean it's definitely also scary like what if you're doing that trying to negotiate higher pay for your job and you know walking away means leaving that job that's a lot different than just a little email brand offer like I get so I totally understand that it's different but you know maybe when you're negotiating for higher pay at your job also lining up another job doing some interviews and seeing if you can get a better job so when you're ready to negotiate that you have an escape plan and you're like hey guess what then I am walking away Mistake number five, I think this is five at least, this might be six, is not knowing when to quit something that isn't going somewhere. Throughout the years, sometimes YouTube made me feel insecure, like I was never doing enough, just being a quote influencer. So I would always have some other gig or something else that I'd want to start. And a lot of times those things were just a distraction, like I thought they were leading to something, but they really weren't. People say never give up, but you know what? Sometimes you realize it is okay to give up. You know, I'd start all these like little project. So one was a collab channel I was a part of that I put a lot of effort into. One was I once tried producing other people's channels and one was trying to start a website of some sort. This isn't all bad that I put so much effort into these things. I learned some great skills from these experiences, but I do consider them a mistake because none of them were financially successful and they took away a lot of my time that I could have been using on the one thing that was successful, which was my YouTube channel. When I was a part of the collab YouTube channel, I would seriously put in so much more time each week on that channel than I would on my own YouTube channel. I worked on that for probably two or three years and you know it went from being this channel that was like me and my friends to we started to get other people on it like we recasted the channel right and then we would go and film and edit their videos and we would still pay them to be on the channel and at the end of the day the channel didn't really get brand deals the adsense would just make the bare minimum we would do all this work and then the channel would make some money and then we'd pay out the people on the channel and there'd be nothing left for us and so i did so many hours of work on that channel and I didn't see a penny for it, you know, but I worked on it with this hope that it would become something bigger. It was just fine for a while and I did learn so much from it, but the problem is the deeper that I got into it, the harder it was for me to quit. I kept thinking to myself, you know, I want to quit. I feel like this is a waste of time, but I've already put two years into this, like to walk away now and have nothing. So then I would stay another month and keep doing work on it when it really was going nowhere and I should have quit so much sooner. It's okay to try things and it's okay to fail but it's not okay to work on something that's going nowhere for that long. Like you need to know when to be realistic and say okay 
I'm gonna quit and I'm gonna try something else. I think that's actually something that Shelby and I both have learned from. You know, last year she tried creating the website shutter.com, which was a website that would kind of be like Airbnb, but for a person to be able to book a freelance photographer or videographer or something. So she worked on it a lot for a year, but it still just wasn't catching on. And so she was like, okay, I'm gonna stop doing this for a while because it's a waste of my time. I should be working on what's right in front of me that is successful, which is my YouTube channel. When I look back, this probably was the biggest mistake that I've made so far because I've put so much effort in so much time into so many things that aren't my YouTube channel. Like if I would have put all that effort into my YouTube channel, I'd probably have another million subscribers by now. But that also came down to having an extremely negative mindset about myself. And so that is where we get to mistake number six. I think when I hit a million subscribers, I finally reached that goal. The imposter syndrome hit really hard. I realized, wow, a million people watch me and I started to have the most negative self-talk. I could not get that voice out of my head that constantly would question why I did anything. It'd always be like, no one wants to hear you talk about this. No one cares about your life doing this. Like, it was just this constant voice saying, no one cares what you're doing. Thus, I wouldn't do anything. Like, I would be afraid to film anything because I was afraid no one would care. When in reality, that negative self-talk is, it's, it's just some sort of insecurity in your head. I mean, it's pretty natural. I think a lot of people, once they gain some sort of success, they feel like they don't deserve it, but you have to shake it off. And the only way I was able to shake this off was remembering my 12-year-old self that when I started my YouTube channel, if I would have had this negative self-talk that I have today, I would not be where I am today and I should be proud of where I am and you should be proud of where you are. Talking negatively about yourself does not help anything. Everyone has to start somewhere and if you are constantly looking at every negative thing in every situation, you will get nowhere. I realized I was always looking at the negatives. I'd go out to go film something and rather than look at the positive of a situation, like, hey, the lighting looks really nice right now, I would immediately start searching for the negatives. I'd be like, well, I don't know. This wall's kind of ugly. I don't think I want this as my background. And the day that I realized how often I was only searching for the negatives when I need to be searching for the positives is the day that my life truly did change. You know, I think it's something that we can all do. This is something that does take practice. You know, this is the reason people wake up and they write five things they're grateful for in a journal. When you do that kind of thing, you are constantly bringing in this positive self-talk and it becomes a habit that you only talk to yourself positively, which is what you should be doing. You shouldn't be talking down to yourself. This is something that I've been working on so much, especially this year. <sighs> so yeah, just the negative mindset was such a big one for me, feeling like I don't deserve things. I mean, it really just put me off from YouTube for a very long time. You know, I, I didn't think I deserved to have the viewers that I had. I never thought my videos were good enough. So I had this negative mindset and I just stopped making videos, which didn't make any sense. Like I had just gotten to the biggest goal I had thought I'd never reach. Why, why stop there? 
so dumb. Basically, imposter syndrome is natural. You got to just own who you are and that you deserve the success that you have. You did something to have your success. So guess what? You get to own that. It's yours. Going into mistake number seven, um, this one is something that I also feel like a lot of people go through and it's a very immature way to be unless... I don't know, you're just always this way, but that is being competitive. You know, in some ways, it's okay to be competitive. It pushes you to be better. But I remember being like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, even up to 19. I would secretly be competitive over other YouTubers and I would see their videos and just, you know, want to be better, want to get more views. And it it would just become, once again, a very negative way of thinking because, you know, you can try as hard as you can to make a good video. Yeah, that's on you, but the views are really out of your control a lot of the times. And so if you are being competitive over views with someone and they're getting more views and it's out of your control, you're going to go crazy and they're also the biggest thing is there is just no point in being competitive on YouTube especially just with like a specific person because at the end of the day if there's so many eyeballs watching YouTube if you actually made a good video people will watch it it will be well received it will get views just because someone else made a good video too doesn't mean you're not going to get views you don't need to compete. This isn't like primetime television. People can watch a YouTube video whenever they want. I think it was just, you know, being immature, being young. Once I let that go and realized, why don't you just be happy for someone else's success? Like I've had YouTube friends that, you know, at first I had a lot more subscribers than them and they didn't have really any and they shot up. And now like I have a friend that has three or four million subscribers. She's way more successful than me. And I'm not jealous of her. I don't feel the need to compete with her. I'm genuinely just so happy for her success. I'm happy for anyone's success. If I had like a a friend of mine in real life that started a channel and it exploded overnight and she or he got more successful than me, I'd be happy for their success because it doesn't matter. Like I still have mine. I still have my thing going. It really comes down to being secure with yourself and being secure with where you're at in your career. Um, And the reason that people are competitive is because they're insecure a lot of the times with where they're at. And, you know, once I was very secure with where I'm at, I'm very happy with what I have. I don't need more as long as I'm happy with the videos that I'm making and I'm making enough money to live the lifestyle I want. I really don't care if you have a million dollars and I don't. So I think that's something that definitely can come with time and come with feeling a little bit more secure in what you're doing. But just the immaturity of being competitive, it's a complete waste of time to have that negative energy. But that's something that I spent oh my gosh way too long on now I saved the best for last I think the biggest mistake that I have made and I still see so many people making today is being someone they are not I think a lot of people have identities, struggles growing up and even, you know, just in different phases of life. And it's so easy to look upon someone else who's very confident in who they are and has some other success and to try and latch on to some sort of personality trait of theirs that's working for them. But most likely it's not, that's not fully who you are. And people see through that. People see how ingenuine it is. 
And it's just kind of cringy and unattractive to be acting like someone you truly aren't. And I get it. It's hard to figure out who you are to an extent. But I just want to talk to you guys about when I did this and how much I've learned since then. So when I was 12 years old, just starting my YouTube channel, I really... I like did not know anything about the world. I didn't know how to think for myself. I don't really think you do when you're that young. You kind of just think about what the world feeds you. Like I thought the Kardashians were really cool because that's what was popular. That's what was pushed into my face all the time. And then a couple years later, I realized, oh my gosh, I can have my own opinion and I don't have to like them if I don't want to. And so I don't, you know, I started to realize you can have your own opinions and your own way of living and you don't have to be like everyone else but when i started my channel it was in this heyday of you know bethany moda she's great by the way but she was the most popular and she was very successful and you know she was being herself like young bubbly super happy bright um beautiful girl and everyone saw her successful in what she was doing and all these younger youtubers like me it's like we just tried to copy not just the style of her videos but acting like how she was acting more bubbly and just being a totally different person and I remember I used to do this I used to you know hop on YouTube and go hey guys welcome back to my channel and just it was so absurd and it worked for a while though like people would gain viewers from doing that and that's how I gained a lot of viewers as well but eventually you're gonna crack you cannot keep acting like someone you're not I started to hate the person that I'd become this online persona that just wasn't me and one day I was like you know what I don't even care I know no one's gonna watch the real me like but I, I can't do this anymore so I started my millennial life crisis YouTube channel when I was so sick of pretending to be someone that I'm not I thought it would get no views but it immediately people took to it and I was so shocked and I was so thankful that people actually like the real version of myself and it's honestly really sad to think that I thought that I couldn't be my true self when I started my YouTube channel and that people would like it when that's the biggest mistake of of really anything is to pretend that you're someone you're not because if you're really confident in who you are there's always going to be people that don't like you there's always also going to be a group of people that do like you and do vibe with you and so you might as well be yourself because you're going to enjoy that a lot more than pretending to be someone else you still see it a lot today not even just on YouTube, but let's use that as an example first. Like Jake and Logan Paul, like they're very high energy and you just see people become little copycats of them. No one should be a copycat of them, by the way. Um, I've also seen like Whitney Simmons. She She's super cute and has a very unique way of talking and explaining herself. And I've seen like now other fitness people kind of adopt those same mannerisms and Casey Neistat there have been like so many guys who have started talking like Casey Neistat and doing like little hand movements like him and you know when you really are a big fan of someone like you kind of do adopt mannerisms of people that you're around so it's kind of natural I just truly hope that these people also find themselves one day and like find who they really are I'm not even calling anyone out like there's no one specific 
that I'm even thinking of. I just know I've come across videos where I'm like, wow, this this girl's acting just like this girl or this guy's acting just like that guy. It still just happens a lot and I really hope those people realize that they can just be themselves. I think that's something that's changed so much on YouTube that makes me so happy. I think um, Emma Chamberlain really paved the way for that. You know, she just started a channel and she did not give a fuck. She was just being herself, being silly, and she really is just unapologetically herself. And I think that started a trend for other people to seriously just be themselves and not try and be perfect. I know I made this specific point a lot about YouTube, but it's really something that, you know, you see in friend groups growing up as well. A lot of the times, like the strongest member of the friend group is the one that just is being themselves and is really confident in who they are and knows what they want and all the other friends kind of gravitate towards that friend if you know what I mean it's kind of like Regina George when you think about mean girls and yeah she was a bitch but she was being unapologetically herself and she knew what she wanted and you know Gretchen Wieners was just like did not know who she was at all and so she was just trying to be everyone else you know what I mean I think that's a good example to look at honestly and Karen she just like did not know either I mean and Katie for a while but she kind of found herself um but I know it's kind of a funny example, but, you know, being confident in who you truly are and not trying to latch on to the mannerisms of other people just because you see it being successful for them. All right, and that wraps it up, you guys. Those are all the career mistakes that I've made so far in my 20s. Thinking that networking should be with people that are higher up than you versus colleagues and friends, doing work for free, don't do that uh just not knowing how to negotiate or leave something and mainly just being okay with leaving a situation Whew. getting ripped off so many times and learning how to find someone that you enjoy working with falling into negative self-talk and realizing that i needed to get out of that not knowing when to quit something that isn't going anywhere and being someone that you're not I, I hope this helped you guys. This felt like a really good pep talk for me at least. I just feel like I'm in such a better, more confident mood after getting this out of my system. All those mistakes that I made, being able to resolve them out loud. Today, I'm just gonna read one millennial life crisis that you guys sent in and it has to do with career advice and it's a very happy one. So I wanna leave this on a good note. So this comes from Angie. Thank you so much for sending this in. She sent in a DM to the at millennial life crisis instagram go follow us she said i'm an older millennial and i wanted to share an experience i had in my career when i was in my mid-20s you know we love an older millennial giving us their wisdom thank you so much um okay i was working for a fashion company in san francisco that was awful they treated employees and customers horribly the culture was a toxic mean girl vibe and very cutthroat the company was definitely a cool brand and at the time it seemed like an opportunity I couldn't walk away from. The brand was very unique and I felt like I was a part of something cool that I couldn't replicate if I left. One day after months of frustration, stress and tears, I had an awful meeting with the CEO where I actually cried because I felt so much pressure from him. I was working so hard and doing a good job, but it was never good enough. The next day I gave my notice and decided I was going to move to New York. 
a couple months later, I moved to New York with no job, no friends, and no apartment. Within the first week of moving to a new city, I found an apartment, got an interview that turned into a job a couple weeks later, and started making friends through my new job. It was amazing to me because I went from feeling so stuck, powerless, and without options to reaching a completely new level of success. Because of that choice, I've doubled my salary over the past couple years and obviously grown much happier. I now work for a company that treats its employees so well and I feel at peace. I wanted to share this memory with those listeners that are early in their career who feel stuck or trapped or like they have to fall in line. Taking a risk and changing your environment can change your entire life. To all the broke, frustrated, stressed millennials out there, it gets better. Again, thank you so much, Angie, for sending that in. I actually have chills because my friend that I'm going to her retirement party later today, I feel like this is her exact situation. She has been stressed and overworked and she has taken the leap of faith and left that job. And I know she's going to find something else amazing. And I think this is so good. I know there are so many people that feel stuck and like they're in these toxic work environments. It is in these very low moments in life that I think the world is telling us, you need to push yourself and take a risk. I've never heard of someone taking a risk and it not paying off, to be honest. So, you know, that's what life's about, experiencing crazy new things. It's so cool to hear that you moved to New York and found friends through your work and it was a great environment. I'm so happy for you and ah, I can't wait until the world is back to normal and I can take a big risk too because I'm definitely feeling like I need one soon. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and maybe go rate it in the iTunes store. If you've been listening for a while and you haven't gone and rated our podcast and left a review, I'd really appreciate that. Go follow us on Instagram at Millennial Life Crisis and you can find me at Monica Church. Keep working hard. Be yourself. Don't take shit from anyone. I love you guys and I'll see you next week. Bye.